Hey everyone, it's Frank and Jackie Ritz. And this is Essential Oil Healthcare Radio. And today, Jackie is going to open up about her journey with breast implant awareness. And she is going to explain everything that led up to the decision to have her augmentation reversed. So today, I'm excited and a little nervous <laughs> to be a little bit vulnerable, but hey, Good things happen when you're vulnerable. So I'm going to share my story with you. We're going to talk about um, breast implant illness, which is a real thing, and some of the symptoms of it. I'm going to talk with you guys a little bit about what to do if you have these symptoms and you have breast implants and you want to get them out. So I'm going to share with you guys some steps to go about safely explanting. That is the word, explant. So that is where you actually have your breast implants removed and there is a proper and safe way to do it and so I want to caution and share that those steps with you guys um, and then I'll share a little bit about my detoxification process and how I actually you know detoxified from those very toxic implants that I had in my body for about 12 13 years so I'm going to share with you guys just how I came about getting breast implants and just you know it was about 12 13, 14 years ago. It was in my early 20s and it was a solution to what I thought was a problem. So I'm a pretty tall woman. I'm 5'10". You know, when I wear heels that are an inch or two. I'm, I always say, by the way, that I married up literally because she is taller than me. We're about the same height. But I totally married up, guys. Well, thank you. And... I, I thought that it would make me happier, make me prettier. Um, I, had, I have normally small breasts, size A, maybe a B. And I just thought that I was made uneven. I thought that I was too tall and didn't have enough, you know, boobs to fill out my body. And I just felt like I looked strange and never looked like all the beautiful, skinny, curvy women who I saw in magazines and on TV shows that I watched. So in my early 20s, you know, that was kind of the thing. Everyone got breast implants who weren't happy with their body. And so I just fell into the trap and got implants and thought that it would make me happy. So I actually got them through the armpit. And, um, you know, my journey in my 20s with implants I was pretty happy with them. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I loved my body. I thought that, you know, I matched up to what society thought women should look like. You know, I felt like I could wear better clothes. I was more confident in a swimsuit. But honestly, all of that was really a, a fake confidence. Um, after a while, five, ten years, especially after I started having kids, and I did have issues with my milk supply because of it, um, I really started to real feel fake. You know, I started to feel like what I was portraying as this, the paleo mama and natural living and health and wellness, that there was this thing inside my body that literally was calling me a fake and a fraud. So I didn't know what to do about it. You know, I was coming up onto 12, 13 years of having my implants. Um, I was done having kids. So I started looking into having them replaced because you're supposed to have them replaced every 10 years. And, you know, which adds on a ton of money if you calculate all that up. 
And so I, I thought that that was the next normal thing to do, but there was just something inside of me that was like, you know, I don't really want to do this, but I've got to do something. I've, I didn't really know that there was an alternative. And that was just simply explanting and taking my implants out and then leaving nothing behind, you know, having the body that God made for me. Um, and so I started the journey of research and, and Googling and reading books and magazines and things on women who actually were struggling with this thing called breast implant illness. Now, I'm very, very grateful that I never had any of the extreme symptoms of breast implant illness. You know, I never really experienced autoimmune issues and for God's sake, cancer has even been linked to it. So I, I felt when I found that, it literally knocked me upside the head and said, you have got to do something about this. And what these women were doing was shocking to me. They were literally explanting, like literally taking their implants out. And first of all, let me say this before I go on any farther. A lot of you listening might have implants and you're completely happy with your body. I'm not talking to you. I don't want you to feel like this is something that you have to change about yourself. You know, I, I'm talking to the people who were like me or, or contemplating getting breast implants. Maybe you've had babies and you feel like, you want to have a mommy makeover and get your boobs done. Um, and so I want to share my experience just because I want you to know that it's not all hunky-dory. <laughs> it's not all, like, great. It's, there's some things, really, really ugly and nasty and sick things that go on in this journey of having implants. You know, so there was thousands and thousands of thousands of women who were struggling with breast implant illness and so breast implant illness is actually, it's really hard to define. Um, it, the, some of the symptoms of your, your fatigue, you have low energy. Um, you might have just brain fog and memory loss, headaches, muscle and joint pain, um, metal toxicity. You know, even if you have saline implants, what do you think is holding that saline together? It's a silicone bag. So silicone is a very, very poisonous toxin that we literally are shoving inside of our body right next to our heart, right next to our organs. And so more symptoms, swollen lymph nodes, um, IBS, thyroid and hormone and adrenal issues. Guys, the list, I mean, it's enormous of what some of these people are struggling with. And so some of those things I felt, you know, that I was struggling with as well, but just not very extreme. Weight problems always have struggled with, you know, I was struggling with um, just dry skin and my hair was just kind of grody, um, like very dry. And once I was opened my eyes to this and saw that these women were explaining, it took me a few months to actually work up the bravery to say to my husband that I actually want to do this as well. And thankfully... These women helped me go along this path and show me how to do this safely. You can't just go to a plastic surgeon and get an explant. Um, you can't just sign up and just say you want somebody 20-minute surgery and you want to get your boobs taken out. So that's, that's my journey. That's how I came to be aware of breast implant illness and the toxicity of this implants and some of the things that I was feeling in my body. Wow. Yeah, I uh, 
I, I definitely did not know the depth. I mean, honestly, she just shared something about the depth of what happened. That uh, I mean, I was not even aware of some of the some of the things that were going on, the struggles that were going on inside. So, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think coming from the medical side, if I may, uh, I would offer to you that there is a lot of nonspecific symptoms that are associated with what is now starting to be called breast implant awareness. Um, you know, autoimmune is, it's a myriad of symptoms itself. I remember when I was going through school trying to just simply remember all the symptoms for somebody who had like SLE, which is essentially lupus. Um, I just, I couldn't keep everything aware. So uh, some different people actually will say that they have something really easy in terms of skin, skin deep. They might just have some manifestations on the skin. Whereas some people have reported that it has been linked to very serious conditions. So uh, I urge you that if you are, just like Jackie said, if you are happy with who you are and you have gone through augmentation surgery and you are excited and happy about that, hey, you know what? Praise to you. I mean, that's fine. But if you actually feel like you're doing a lot of different things and trying to detox, detoxify your life, and for some strange reason you can't put your finger on something, then you might want to go ahead and start trying to like look down into this journey as well. Uh, the biggest thing that we're trying to provide for today is just simply awareness. Uh, it is it is a matter of saying that, you know, just like anything we always talk about, speak with your healthcare provider because uh, you can really get some actual insight now and you need to have that conversation with other folks who might be going through the same healthcare providers and making sure that you do your own research to see if like maybe this is something that you can put your finger on. Yeah, so actually one of the largest studies ever, ever done, a medical study took 100,000 women patients who had um, breast augmentation, silicone breast implants. And they took this number and they wanted to analyze. Actually, that was just published this year. Did you see that? Yeah, this was published in January. Literally this year, this month. And so they wanted to, they wanted to analyze how these implants were affecting their health. And so this study, the outcome was what I know and what all these other women know. But finally, you know, a lot of doctors don't recognize this and they won't admit to it, especially plastic surgeons. Thankfully, I had an amazing one, which I'll talk to you guys about. And um, because what they realized is that they associated the implants were associated with an increased risk of very um, certain issues and mostly autoimmune issues. And so it's documented. It's a real thing. Um, and breast implant illness is affecting thousands and thousands of women. And most of them don't even realize the health issues that they're having is caused from their implants. Yeah. You know, so Jackie, Jackie talked about, you know, there's two different types of uh, breast implants that are available. And you know, the, the original back when I think breast implant surgery started or breast augmentation surgery started, you know, you really couldn't find anything but silicone. Silicone was it. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Silicone is the same thing that is used in our computers. And so uh, that is like absolutely 
a wonderful metal uh, that is provides a lot of service. I'm very grateful for the technology of silicone to know what it can actually do, but the body doesn't know what to do with it. It actually only can wall it off. It's almost like somebody who becomes infected with tuberculosis. Now, I'm going to talk about a disease that, by the way, folks, it's still here. It ends up being one of the top three, usually top five, uh, diseases that are still very endemic to our to our world, and the thing is, is that the type of bacteria that causes it is not really a bacteria, but the long short of it is, is when it kind of plants into your lung, it your body doesn't know what to do with it, so it just walls it off, and so anything that your body doesn't recognize as being a part of your body, it's going to wall it off, and so we'll talk about you know the the type of uh, journey or testimony, if you will, about Jackie's explant surgery, but that is essentially what goes on in your breasts if your body cannot recognize the silicone or the silicone bag is that it treats it just like a foreign object and it walls it off. It doesn't understand what that is. And so it places a bunch of stuff around it in order to kind of render it like, okay, this is cool. It's inert, whatever. Um, we'll let you have this spot, but you know, it's something that can actually continue to be problematic if it goes for an extended period of time and it stays chronic, like a lot of uh, like a lot of breast implants can. Well, they have breast implants affect um, most of your body symptoms. So the symptoms that systems the symptoms that you have are so widespread that um, it, it can even be related to chemical and, like I said, heavy metal toxicity. So which can cause all different kinds of immune dysfunction, autoimmune issues, neurological, endocrine, you know, I could just keep going on. So um, what we want to do today is we want to share with those people who maybe you are in the same situation as I am. Maybe you are struggling with those, one of maybe those symptoms are ringing a bell for you, or maybe you're just unhappy with who you are and you don't want to... You don't want to um, go on with your implants. You don't, or maybe you're coming close to 10, 15 years and it's time to get a new batch. You know, maybe you just want to be yourself. So one of the biggest things that I had to go through, it wasn't even the physical healing of explanting. It was the emotional healing. And so I really had to, um, I read a lot of just, you know, personal development books and mindset books and just books on just knowing who I am, you know, knowing who I am in Christ and knowing who God made me to be and that I'm beautiful the way that I am and I don't need to have anything added or taken away from me. I just need to be Jackie. And so I would definitely encourage you to go through that emotional healing process as well. And that didn't even start for me until I got my breast implants removed. You know, um, I worked up the courage. I did it scared. Um, I was scared spitless to see what I would look like, you know, when they were taken out of my body. And I can tell you guys right now, I am 100% happy with who I am without my breast implants. So what a lot of people are thinking, well, what, how can I test to see if I have a breast implant illness? Well, my encouragement to you is, first of all, if you recognize that you have any of these symptoms that I've mentioned and more, there's so many more, you can Google it, um, I would just not waste any more time and I would go straight to X planning 
that's what I did. Um, I didn't have any kind of test done. There's really no definitive definitive tests that you can do that are going to link your you know breast implant symptoms do to breast implants. But there are some tests that can be done um, if you want to get them done. Um, and some of these are just checking your autoimmune markers, looking at your um, your blood cell counts, you know, looking at your kidney function, your liver function. Um, thyroid test, there's adrenal hormone tests that you can do. There's also um, B12 and folate deficiency tests, which I'm going to talk with you guys a little bit about um, MTHFR because I have uh, MTHFR mutation, which actually made my implants even more poisonous to my body. Um, so if this is something that you are, you're like, I'm ready, I want to do this, I want to explant. Um, there is a really, I want to encourage you guys that this is the most important part of this podcast is to stay on and listen to this. Um, as soon as possible, you want to make sure that you can, you know, find a plastic surgeon. Now, not every single plastic surgeon is going to be able to safely remove your ex- your implants. Um, we'll link down in the show notes a list of plastic surgeons that have come highly recommended from thousands of women who have done this. But you want to make sure that that is the most important thing is to choose the right surgeon who is experienced in these two things. It's called N-block and total capsulectomy. Um, and so I'm going to explain, explain to those what you what those are. I think N-block, that's French, right? Mm-hmm. So N-block means removing the whole thing at once, okay? So a lot of plastic surgeons might say, well, I can just poke and drain it, and then I'll pull out, you know, the, the little plastic or the little silicone bag. That is not what you want to happen, okay? So N-block is where they remove the entire implant whole, Um, And then capsulectomy is actually where they, if you've had your implants for over a few months, what happens is your body literally starts um, creating scar tissue around the implants. And this scar tissue is, holds the majority of the toxins from your implants. It is very important that when you have an explant done, that you do the capsulectomy, and that is where you remove all of that scar tissue whole. Um, and so when my surgeon did it, I asked for pictures of my implants to see that both of them removed in whole, and the scar tissue was around it. Um, I will say that a lot of plastic surgeons might actually say that this isn't necessary, um, because it's way easier just to go in there and take out the implants But it takes a very skilled surgeon to carefully remove that scar tissue hole around your implants as well. So that is hands down um, the most important thing. It's more important than just like, I mean, of course, getting your implants out is important, but this is more important than just getting your implants out because this really, really can affect your healing process. Yeah, so just to give you an idea about, you know, uh, obviously I, I'm only giving you the information that I am aware of. My part of the testimony that I'm aware of is that um, it was pretty straightforward. The surgeon that we chose 
uh, was not very far from us whatsoever. We had to make a weekend out of it. And the surgery was done on a Friday. Uh, it probably lasted maybe three, four hours. Um, they were really great about, you know, kind of taking some, you're not allowed to obviously keep the implants. I mean, they got to go away for testing and things like that. But, uh, it was really nice to see some videos about, you know, Hey, here they are. And here's the entire tissue. I'm going to show you everything that I took out and, and all of that. And then, you know, the recovery of course is the hardest part with the recovery from, from the initial outset, of course, is just recovering from the anesthesia because, uh, you know, we preferred to go ahead and have it done uh, with utilizing some local anesthesia, which we made sure that we detoxified before that. And then uh, Jackie detoxified afterwards. But um, after, you know, all was said and done, usually about 48 hours, um, Jackie was easily back up on her feet, uh, had her back home, and then she just had to uh, start the recovery process as well. So I don't know if you want to talk about yeah. sort of like the feelings that you had experienced and everything like that right after your surgery. Yeah. So, um, well, let me talk a little bit about going into the surgery. Um, I felt very, I interviewed via the phone a few other plastic surgeons before that. And I asked them some questions, you know, I can, there's an amazing website called healingbreastimplantillness.com. And they had some questions that you can ask your surgeon. And so I started asking about, you know, have you ever done a capsulectomy? Do you remove your implants and block? Um, and so one of them, I got the tone that that wasn't necessary. So I moved on. And then the other one only had performed one capsulectomy and, there was an issue. She wasn't able to remove the whole scar tissue. And so she was honest with me. And so I, I thanked her for that. But I didn't want that. I wanted somebody who is very skilled, very um, experienced, because if any of the scar tissue was left behind, it would it would not um, help my healing process at all. So um, I got to look at the implants by a picture. There was no mold. That is a huge thing. A lot of people have mold in the implants and then on the outside around it, which goodness gracious, can you imagine what that's doing to your body? Um, having mold inside your body. So I was very, very, very blessed and I was very nervous going into it. I had no idea what to expect. Um, I did get a breast lift at the same time. So that, that is an option you can do. So I don't know what the healing process would have been like with just removing it. But when you do a capsulectomy and block, they do have to, you know, make a large incision underneath your breast in the crease to make sure that they're able to thoroughly remove all of the scar tissue. So, um, so I went in, went under, woke up. And, um, yeah, the, the pain medication I hate so much. So I think I was only on that for two or three days. Um, and then I was able to kind of wean off of that. And, um, I did take some Motrin frequently throughout the next three weeks, um, because the most painful part was not having a comfortable bra to wear, you know, because you have to wear support, for a few weeks and they put you in this really tight sports bra that is so painful. I was literally shoving like rags up to it because it was pushing on my incisions. Um, and then I discovered the ACE bandage, which that was the most amazing, right? Don't you remember me wearing that thing? Mm -hmm. So Frank would literally wrap me really tight 
and an ace bandage and go down pretty far to my wit to my mid belly to where the the ace bandage was not pushing on my incisions and so that was probably the most frustrating part was the the pain from the incisions and then the nerve connecting. I struggled with that nerve pain for a good three to four weeks. Um, and then another issue that I did run into is I did develop, remember I developed a hematoma and, um, and that was, I don't know what caused that. Do you know? Well, what it was, it was just a pocket of, you know, fluid. It was a pocket of fluid that, um, your body didn't recognize. And so eventually remember it had to work its way toward the skin surface and it, just and, drained. And it drained on its own. Yeah. So, you know, they happen, um, they, the hematomas happen with any surgery though. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a possibility of it. When you, when you get into skin guys and you're cutting capillaries and, you know, other smaller blood vessels, uh, there's a possibility all the time you get one little small kind of quote unquote bleeder is what we refer to it as in medicine. And it can just kind of bleed out, if you will, and kind of create this little like inside bruise that your body recognizes it and just has to move it out. So, um, but that happened. But I mean, you know, those sorts of things can happen with any type of surgeries. So once I got through the initial healing, I, and my, um, they put, was it staples that they put in? I think so. No, was so. it? Yeah, it was. I can't remember. No, it wasn't staples. No, skin glue. It was glue, which yeah, was amazing. Glue. Glue. So they glued me together. And when you use glue, you the only downside of it, I wasn't able to actually apply essential oils directly on that. So I had to wait until the glue... Um, kind of faded away and my skin had, you know, adhered together. But once it did, I was so thankful that I had, here's the oils that I used, rose and melaleuca. And that is just really a great oil at just keeping your um, skin healthy and fighting any kind of, you know, environmental threats that could come in, any kind of, you know, germs. And also one of my favorites was neroli came out right after my, um, my surgery. So a few months after I had the surgery, I was able to start using neroli and that was a godsend. It literally just felt so good. You want to keep those scars and the incisions really hydrated and soft because when they get hard and crunchy, it hurts so much. So you just want to make sure that you keep it well lubricated. Um, I didn't start any kind of detoxification process until a good six months afterwards. Your body needs time to heal. Um, the implants that you had in your body are foreign objects which are constantly engaging your immune system like on an ongoing basis. They're eventually overwhelming your immune system so much and they're causing your system, your immune system, to just keep firing off like constantly. It has no break. And so when this happens, obviously our immune system fails and allows other kind of, you know, opportunistic organisms to come into your body and to kind of take control. So these can even be in the form of parasites, which is really nasty. Um, but they produce this biotoxin, which can cause the implants to, uh, you know, become two large sacks of toxins, um, carcinogenic chemicals, which are very inflammatory to our body, to our organs, to our glands. Um, and so detoxifying from this is essential. Um, we just want to go easy into it um, because they do contain heavy metals as well. And, you know, this is just a recipe recipe for just 
disaster. Um, so here are some steps that you can take to detoxify after your body has had a good three to six months to truly heal. I'm sorry. I just want to interject really quick that I just remember one other thing that you used and we'll put a link at the bottom was you used your healing salve. Mm-hmm. I remember you used a lot of that. So I used a lot uh, of we'll that. put that, we'll put that down in the, uh, in the link is or the link down as well. Uh, you know, we'll have both. You can make it both uh, without beeswax and with, but we'll put those links down there so you guys can see that as well. Yeah, so the first thing to do is just explant. You know, just do it. Just do it. Um, if you don't have the money for it, I have seen women literally put a GoFundMe account up. Um, I have seen women come together and help each other, ask for help, save your money, start working toward it, and just explant N block. That's E N B L O C, N block, and total capsulectomy. Um, that is the only way that you should explant. Um, the next way is just to eat a healthy diet, to clean up your diet. You want to make sure that you're um, just eating whole foods. And that's the easiest thing to really start after your um, explant journey and surgery because you don't want to do too much to your body, but proper diet is so and so good for healing. So we were eating very good Um Frank was making me lots of soups. He was making me really just healthy food that could promote my healing process, bone broth, all of that good stuff. And you want to get into a habit of just eating that um, over the next few months. So that is very important. I don't recommend anyone think that they can detoxify if they don't clean up their diet like you're crazy. Um, second or third is to clean up your gut and heal your gut. And so many women who have toxicity from blood from their breast implants they also have digestion and bowel problems um, which potentially could lead and may have led in your life to leaky gut um, Crohn's IBS fungus parasites the list goes on and so these women actually start to develop allergies due to this leaky gut and they lose their ability to digest food, um, especially dairy, gluten, and other inflammatory foods. So I recommend, and Frank probably can speak to this a little bit, you know, better than I can, going on an anti-inflammatory diet. So why don't you explain what they would have to remove for that? Well, there's two different types. There's there's uh, one that Dr. Sarah Ballantyne does a really good job from the Paleo Mom of describing, and then there's another one that I saw that Dr. Weil, W-E-I-L, it's actually just drweil.com. Uh, he's the one of the larger proponents of his. He has a particular type of anti-inflammatory diet. Uh, does a really great job with a interactive uh, pyramid that will explain sort of like think of it like the food guide, if you will, where it's going to have your foods that you definitely want to eat all the time, all the way up to the foods that you eat the least at a time. But you got to start removing those types of foods that we are finding out more and more that are actually pro-inflammatory in the body. And so uh, just like Jackie said, the wrong type of grains, meaning processed grains, uh, most uh, dairy products, uh, you know, different types of things that contain lots of gluten. Uh, we're finding out that these are very pro-inflammatory in the body. Surprisingly enough, uh, I've had to reduce the amount of nightshades that I eat, which are like tomatoes and eggplants and some peppers and things like that, because I didn't realize how pro-inflammatory they actually could be in larger quantities. So I backed off on those as well. And uh, and honestly, as a person who suffers from a lot of uh, inflammation issues in terms of how my body Body feels uh, doing different things about eliminations out of my diet has worked wonders for me, and so it's been a really great thing for me. So 
check it out. Like I said, uh, Sarah Ballantyne, uh, Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, really great for the autoimmune protocol style of diet. And then Dr. Weil for the anti-inflammatory diet. Both very good resources. In addition, you guys want to make sure that you add probiotics during this time. And so this is all easy stuff that you can do immediately after surgery. You know, you might want to give yourself a couple weeks of eating the random pizza just to survive. But you want to you want to move into this pretty quickly after you remove your implants. Um, so probiotics and grabbing some, you know, fermented foods like sauerkraut and kimchi, <clears throat> all of that is going to help restore that healthy gut flora that is a very important modulator in your immune system. So um, you can even do cultured yogurt, and I'm dairy-free, so I've even been do- doing cultured um, coconut yogurt, which is delicious, um, adding it to my smoothies or you know just taking a shot of it. But that is a very good way just to heal your gut so you can move into the next phase of your detoxification process. Um, we actually, this next part I want to recommend, we did this actually before, my implants, didn't we? We did. Or we checked for my MTHFR? We did. Um, so what kind of MTHFR mutation do I have? That's why I keep him around. She is known as a compound heterozygous, whereas I am a homozygous, uh, where I'm a little bit worse off than the compound So version. what what MTHFR is, I'm going to dummy this down big time. Um, what what it is, is, is that you have... Um, it's, a, it's an enzyme. It codes a, for an enzyme. Methyl tetrahydrofolite. Reductase. Oh, reductase. I reductase, did so good. Yeah. Very good. And I did not have that in front of me. But it's definitely known as that acronym, MTHFR, because that's really difficult to say. But it oh. is an enzyme that helps methylate things. Right. Think of methylation like an on and off switch in your body. Especially folate and B12 specifically, right? Yeah, it definitely needs to because those that methylation cycle right there is very important for really a lot of different types of uh, what do we call you know metabolic precursors. They go and do a lot of different things in the body. So the long short is if you have a, a, a lower amount of the actual enzyme, because what MTHFR is, it's a gene. Let me go ahead and give you a quick, very fast 30-second biochemistry course. So you've got DNA. Okay, we all definitely understand what DNA may or may not be, right? That DNA is taken apart by your body very quickly in the nucleuses of cells, which is the kind of the brain of the cell. And then it actually does two things. It transcribes and then trans, or transcriptions and transcribes, but it essentially makes an enzyme. That enzyme is what helps methylate things, okay? So if that enzyme is in low amounts, Obviously, you're not going to be able to methylate things as well as somebody who doesn't have those genetic disorders or that genetic issue, that mutation, if you will. I hate using that word, but that's what it is. But it has that and does not code for enough of the enzyme. So essentially, think about it like this. I have a certain amount of uh, you know liquid that I'm trying to consume, but I do it a, a big gulp, if you will, with my mouth versus like sucking out of like a small swizzle straw. You know what I mean? I'm going to be able to remove that water out of that glass a lot faster if I gulp it down rather than trying to drink out of a swizzle straw. And so that's essentially what What's going on is that you get backed up and MTHFR can lead to uh, some issues with the breakdown of different uh, products that may be introduced into the body that you're trying to eliminate through your normal elimination pathways. Wow. Okay. So... And that was about 45 seconds. No. Basically... You, it's hard for you to, you know, process certain of these enzymes and these, 
these minerals and vitamins are very important in your healing process, right? So B12 in particular, I was very, very low in, um, as well as probably my folate status because I've also had three miscarriages and all of that is connected as well. So the reason why we bring up MTHFR is because 50, is it 50%? Over of 50%. Humans, it's is it humans or it, Americans? It's estimated that over 50% of, either one, I mean, you could say okay. humans or Americans may have that issue. So when you have this issue, you, you know, for me in particular, my level of toxicity from my breast implants and heavy metals was actually increased because I had this very low B12 status, which caused symptoms like fatigue. You know, think of anything when you're depletion and depletion. Is that the word? Depleted. Depleted. Okay. Thank you. And B12, um, what happens? You have, you're sluggish, your brain fog, you have fatigue, you have sore muscles and joints. And so um, this is all connected and you want to make sure that first you find this out if you have it so that, because it's actually really easy to treat it, right? So we just take a methylated B vitamin and folate that we're able to process. You know, like Frank said, you can only process 70% of the folic acid version. But if it's methylated, we can process. Do we process it full? So it's, it's so it's bioactively, it's bioactive, meaning mm-hmm. that your body doesn't have to do a thing to it. It's already in the form that your body can actually utilize immediately. Ah, so it's more natural, right? It's, it's, it's what your body would essentially be doing if the MTHFR enzyme was doing its thing as effectively as it could. So uh, it's easy to find out if you have it. Um, there's a little thing you can order called 23andMe. We'll link that below. And this is a very simple way. And not just are you going to find out if you have an MTHFR mutation, you're going to find out if you're Neanderthal. Frank found that out. Yeah, so my only thing about genetic testing is that, you know, it's amazing that we live in a world where we understand this. Um, I would offer to you that if you don't want to spend the money, don't go do the testing. I mean, you don't have to. We'll put the link down there. It's up to you. If you're interested, you're welcome to do it. But by all means, we're not making any money when we say something like this. We just want to make sure that you are aware of those different tools that are out there for you. Um, And then next, I would recommend getting a full full blood panel, including one of your thyroids and your endocrine system, cortisol levels, um, and just checking that to make sure those are right. And if not, you know, supplementing where you need to. Um, And then we just move into the more of the heavier process of detoxifying. So um, there's lots of different cleanses you can do. One of the ones that I really love to do is I love to just um, up my magnesium when I'm detoxifying, you know, and it's, it's a, I can't put a date on how long detoxifying is going to take for you. You know, I'm still in the process of detoxifying and I had my implants removed a year and a half ago. At least. Um, so I'm still just getting my body back to normal, taking some supplements that are going to really help me. So here's some of the supplements that um, are encouraged to take that will help lower in- inflammation and are going to help you heal and detoxify. So vitamin A, B, C, E, selenium, zinc, um, turmeric as well, right, is really, really great. And also some really good fish or krill oil. So I take all of those. Um, Most of us are already very low in B vitamins, especially B12. So, you know, you might want to look into doing the Myers cocktail where you actually have the, you know, you have to go to a natural path to get it done, but where they 
um, what is it called where they go in through the vein? In, not in vitro. What's the word? Intravenous. <laughs> there you go. Okay. See, I'm trying to throw around his fancy in, terms. In vitro. Wow. That would be a bad way to do it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that way where you go into the, the clinic and they, they can do that for you. Um, another really thing that I did was I did some colonics. Um, that was another thing that I did. Um, exercising, lots of sauna therapy um, or detox baths. You know, I'm always talking about Epsom salt baths. They really, really help to detoxify your body on a regular basis. So you can do that three times a week. Um, if you have a sauna, that's one of the things I've is on my dream board. I haven't told you yet, Frank, but I do have a sauna on my dream board. Sweet. So um, I want to get a sauna. I want to put it, you know, in our house so that I'm able to, especially if you have MTHFR, you have issues detoxifying. So you want to encourage that process even more. Um, but there is no timeline to this to feel healthy. It's once you start to go through the process, you're just going to have to figure it out on your own and really just work through the the process until you start to feel a lot better. Wow. Thank you so much for that transparency, by the way. You're welcome. It was nice to actually, I mean, guys, I, I, I mean, I kind of lived it with her, but here's the deal. I didn't realize all of what she just shared with you. And so, you know what, um, if you possibly found any type of, you know, not mean, this is not me, whatever, whatever, I get it, you know, so I just, I wanted to make sure though that you were aware on this channel that we want to talk about many different factors that may or may not be discussed, um, things that, you know, you can find on the internet because you're trying to sit there and go, why do I feel this way when I feel like I'm actually doing a lot of really good things for my body? So um, thank you so much for sharing that. You're that welcome. was absolutely great. Uh, please let us know if you got any questions and stuff like that. You know how to reach us on this podcast. And uh, we are super excited. We're going to be bringing you some really great stuff throughout the rest of the month of January uh, into February. And we just look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave us ratings, reviews. We love seeing those and you know what every once in a while we will definitely pop in with some form of a giveaway so stay tuned for that always thank you guys so much if you have any questions regarding breast implant illness once again that website is healingbreastimplantillness.com which is a wealth of information and it also is correlated with a facebook group that completely transformed my life i was able to share my wins um, women are constantly posting pictures of them going into surgery. Um, it's, it's a place of true encouragement. Women helping other women and empowering other women. And so we'll link that Facebook group below because that is a wealth of information, a place that you can go for encouragement as you start to make the decision on if you want to explant. Um, and and start to make those plans and move toward that. And let Jackie join you on her on your journey as well. So yes, uh, that was it. Uh, appreciate you guys, and cannot wait to see you again on the very next podcast. Have a great day now. Bye.